Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joey Volpe. Joey, what's going on, brother? Not much. Dan- We're perfectly timing these every single week, dude. I know. What happened? I, I said, I see you dancing over there. I just want to let, the, let, let whoever's listening know that they can't see you right now, but I can see you, and you're dancing yeah. on the other side of the screen. Dude, I'm hyped. Every single week, we've timed these perfectly. We got talking about NFC North, all this Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb stuff just happened that we're going to get into. It's pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, no, it, it is cool. I mean, unfortunately, last week's was on some unfortunate circumstances, but this week, I mean, you know, whatever. This is a good week. Aaron Rodgers is back. You know, so let's talk oh, about yeah. that. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, we are talking about the NFC North uh, on this podcast. We're going to talk about the Packers, the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings. Um, we went through uh, every other division besides the NFC South. That's going to be next week. Um, but besides that, we pretty much wrapped up all the divisions. So go back and check out all the other podcasts that we've done. Um, you know, if you want to kind of get a, you know, dig a little deep into these teams, and because we go by we go position by position. So we're hitting every fantasy relevant player. And, and we go through that over the last uh, six weeks. This is the seventh week. Next week is the eighth. Um, and then we're going to get into some, you know, serious like training camp stuff after that. So uh, training camp is here this week where we're, it, it, it's hitting big and the videos are starting to drop on Twitter. Um, so, so we're definitely excited for that. Um, but yeah, man, let's, let's just right, get in right into it, man. Um, so, uh, so before we do, I just want to hit on the Xavier and Howard thing real quick. Uh, oh, okay. So I know this is a fantasy podcast, but it, you know, he's relevant because he's a corner IDP. That, yeah. IDP. And, and he's a corner that, you know, a lot of wide receivers go up against and you might be worried, you know, when that, when that wide receiver goes up against, you know, corners like him. Right. Um, he, he officially requested a trade to the dolphins is on his Instagram. He posted like a very uh, eloquent and, and nicely put together statement uh, from him and, and his agent uh, basically saying that like the dolphins, you know, aren't really respecting any of the deals that he's putting out there. And he has formally requested a trade. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what team trades for him, uh, whether the dolphins are willing to let him go and uh, how much a team is willing to give up in a trade. Um, so I just wanted to kind of put that out there before we start talking fantasy. Yeah, man. Um, that's as a Patriots fan, I, I would enjoy that. I would enjoy Xavier Howard no longer being in Miami. I think yes. that would firmly put Patriots. Percent. And, and same thing as a Jets fan too. Like, you know, it obviously would make uh, my, you know, viewing pleasure a little bit easier every Sunday. You know, if I choose to I even watch the Jets, 
I think this is the year that I might go back and start doing that. Um, but, but yeah, let's get, get right into the Packers, man. Aaron Rodgers, he was in the building in training camp. He's back. Um, the Packers uh, and Aaron Rodgers have come up with a deal uh, where Aaron Rodgers is allowed to seek a trade uh, after this season if he chooses to do so. Um, obviously the Packers don't have to give them up for free. They're going to have to obviously agree to a deal with another team. Uh, but the language basically states that if Aaron Rodgers is still unhappy after this season, he is allowed to force the trade. Uh, not only that, they did also void the last year on his deal, which I think was 2023, if I'm not mistaken. So, yep. um, yeah. So and yeah. also Rodgers gets to pick where he goes too. Yes, he gets a secret trade. So he's the guy who, you know, it, it's basically all on him. They can't trade him to, to, to whatever team they want. He has to approve yeah. the deal. Yep, absolutely. Which is so, great timing. No, it, it, it's it's interesting, man. Like, uh, you know, all offseason, we were wondering whether Aaron Rodgers was going to be back, whether he was going to be the quarterback for the Panthers, for the Broncos. You know, we were like <laughs> kind of hoping that DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and uh, and – uh, Colton Sutton and Jerry Judy would all get, you know, bumps. No, no offense, right? Like all these guys get like huge bumps in fantasy value. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case um, as of right now. All right. So now moving forward, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is mispriced on a lot of best ball, you know, <laughs> leagues, you know, on their platforms and he's mispriced in a lot of mock drafts and things like that. And, you know, don't assume that you'll be able to get Aaron Rodgers in the ninth round, you know, just because that's where, you know, these platforms are showing him right now. He's going to hop back up, you know, to around the fifth round or so-ish, fifth or sixth round. That's kind of where his ADP will settle, um, you know, in about a week or so, most likely. So um, is he somebody that you're, you're looking at as to draft? Um, I know that in that range, there's a couple other quarterbacks I'd rather have. Um, but tell me what you think for about Aaron Rodgers, you know, after a career year, you know, last season. Yeah. So it just kind of boils down to, is he going to continue that? Um, is that just kind of like a last year thing? Is he really going to be the MVP two years in a row? It's possible he keeps it up. It's going to be hard to say Aaron Rodgers throws 48 touchdowns and only throws five picks again. But the reality of it is, is, uh, right now Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback six, um, I have him behind the big five, which is Kyler, Lamar, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and um, Mahomes, obviously. So he's right behind that group. I'd feel comfortable taking him in around the sixth round. I'm okay with paying up that price. Uh, normally, I'm not all about paying up for QBs, but if one of them falls to a decent enough spot, I'll take it. Um, I don't think guys like Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson are too far off from Aaron Rodgers. And Russell Wilson's probably now going to fall to about the seventh, maybe borderline eighth round, depending on how drafts go. So if I can get Russell Wilson at the end of the seventh, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers getting the sixth, I'll take that every time. I think Russell Wilson in the seventh, eighth round is highway robbery going yeah. into the season. I really do. I mean, I, I would love his ADP to fall. And if it does, I'll be all over that. I'm not a fan of taking quarterbacks before the 10th round or so, but if guys like him end up falling, Lamar Jackson in the fifth, Aaron Rodgers, you know, in the seventh, Russell Wilson in the, even in the sixth, seventh, like I'm about that. You know, obviously I'd like a lot of these wide receivers in the sixth, but you know, in the seventh round, like if any of these quarterbacks are available, I'm definitely snatching them up. 
Um, but I, I, I doubt I'll be able to have Aaron Rodgers on a lot of teams because I'm assuming that in most 12-team leagues, uh, you're going to have uh, Aaron Rodgers being taken before that point. Um, so I'm probably not going to have Absolutely. too much of him. Now, this obviously affected Devontae Adams in a huge way, right? This whole fiasco, right? You know, people were willing to take Tyreek Hill, you know, over Devontae Adams. I think rightfully slow, uh, so to reduce the risk, right, uh, with the unknown of whether Aaron Rodgers was going to come back or not. So now, you know, with Devontae back, are you ranking him above Tyreek Hill at this point? Yeah, you know, Devontae Adams goes back to being the undoubtable wide receiver one. Uh, he, he finished as the wide receiver one last year in 14 games. No matter what, I mean, obviously him and Rodgers are close. We saw the uh, story of Rodgers posting the last dance, you know, with Jordan on the uh, stories, and they both posted that together. So that was kind of cute. But, you know, I, I think Devontae Adams is pretty much a lock for that top two wide receiver spot. Um, Tyreek Hill has the upside to overtake him. But if you look at Adams' game logs, I mean, between what if I told you between weeks two to four, Adams scored 6.6, 0, and 0. And then somehow this dude still ended up as the wide receiver one with 14 games. Like, it's just uh, it's just mind-blowing how effective and how good they were together. So it's going to be hard to take anyone else over Adams at this point. You know, it's crazy, man. When Rodgers, like, it creates chemistry with the receiver, I mean, it's undeniable. Right, like look at all. The it's like he'll force his team to trade for them too. Yeah, like <laughs> I see what you're getting at here. Um, but look, look at his rapport with Devonte. Look at his rapport with Jordy Nelson. Look at his rapport with Donald Driver. Right, these are all guys who just had an amazing rapport with this dude. And like, it's just it's 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 really it's really cool to see. Honestly, like it, it's I, I really you know and even even when you look back to this Packers, just you know go back to Brett Favre, right? Like he had his guys too, right? Um, just this Packers offense has always been this amazing, like fantasy, you know, uh, you know, especially for wide receivers, right? Um, this 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 fantasy haven, you know, for quarterback wide receiver connections. Um, so it's really cool to see. But uh, speaking of connections, the Packers are expected to to bring back Randall Cobb after the Texans gave him one of the worst contracts of all time. Um, but hey, the, this is the Texans we're talking about, right? Um, Randall Cobb got severely overpaid in free agency, and I couldn't believe the contract that he got that year. Was that still um, Bill O'Brien, right? I think it was. I think it was, which makes sense. He was the worst GM of all time, yep. right? Um, so they they're they're expected to bring him back. It's not official yet, um, but it's going to happen. Um, and, and this is one of Aaron Rodgers, I guess, demands uh, before uh, he would come back. Um, and, and it's super interesting, right? You know, you find out before we even know about this publicly, you know, the, the Texans trade for Anthony Miller, right, from the Bears. And they bring over yeah. a slot wide receiver. <laughs> but they already have Randall Cobb. They already have Kiki Cutie, two slot wide receivers. So they're like, why are they trading for another one, right? And then you realize like, oh, like they, ha- they, ca- they caught wind of this already. They probably already talked to the Packers and they were aware of Aaron Rodgers' demands. So they knew that they were going to ship out Randall Cobb, right? Uh, but the Packers, they already drafted their next slot wide receiver, <laughs> right? And Amari Rodgers, right? Um, and they had a, a decent one in Alan Lazard, um, you know, a, as a potential, you know, rotation there. And now they bring it back with Randall Cobb. <laughs> so this is just a hilarious, like, 
situation for both of these teams, especially the Packers. Um, but but Randall Cobb coming back, you know, I would assume that since he's coming back, they're going to force him in there, right, into the lineup as the starting slot wide receiver, um, you know, with, with with Adams, him, and then who do you think is going to be on the outside? Probably Marcus Valdez-Scantling, right, for the most part. Um, how are you looking at the rest of this wide receiver court behind Devontae Adams? And by the way, everything you said about Adams, I agree with you. He's also the wide receiver one for me as well, the clear wide receiver one. But I'm just curious how you think about these other guys. Yeah, so in terms of these other wide receivers, I'm not really interested in any of them. Uh, I, I mentioned Adams has had a 34.2% target share. None of these wide receivers had anything over a 15% target share. Um, when Adams was gone, it was like Robert Tanyan and a combination of other guys uh, that were becoming efficient. So I, I don't see any of these other guys really being fantasy relevant. In PPR, Randall Cobb, I'll take a shot at it. I'll, I'll take a stab at Randall Cobb in PPR. Um, he, at the very best, he's got wide receiver two upside with Aaron Rodgers. And if he plays anything like he did last year, then... And he's got a real chance at week-to-week value. Uh, I think it'll be a flex play for a good amount of weeks this year. So now I'm kind of talking myself into liking Randall Cobb a little bit more. He is 30 years old, um, but he's still got great hands. And in that slot with Adams on the outside, he'll have amazing coverage every single time. He's got amazing chemistry with Rodgers. And talking about chemistry, I mean, last year with Devontae Adams, Adams, out of 149 targets, he came down with 115 of them. That was roughly 77% of the passes Aaron Rodgers throws. And typically, that's that's insanely high for receivers. Receivers usually bounce between anywhere to 65 to 70% on the high end, um, you know, in low 60s at times. If you're like deep threats, you'll see like 50s. But for Adams to be a combination of those things and get 77% of his targets, I mean, if Randall Cobb gets – 100 targets which is possible he could end up with 70 to 80 catches which is definitely uh in that sleeper range so i do like Cobb to a point in ppr i'd take a shot at him probably past the 10th the eh, probably past the 12th round i could see him going a little bit higher than that it's going to be crazy to see how it shakes out marquez valdez scantling is going to be in the outside no interest there i'm sure i'm sure he'll have his pop-up games here and there but i'm you know i'm not looking at any of these other receivers Okay, guys, we had to take a little break because we had some technical difficulties again for the second week in a row. We had some random brand new issues. Uh, so we had some audio issues. I think it was the the host of uh, whatever was hosting our podcast. Um, something was going on there with the connection. So hopefully we're good now. Hopefully you guys don't have any audio issues for the rest of the podcast. So we apologize for that. Hopefully we're good now moving forward. So, Joey, uh, you were talking about Amari Rogers. Go for it. Yeah, so I, I guess Mario Roberts got a hold of the Zoom servers, didn't want me talking about him. But <laughs> look, I mean, long term, I think this is great for the value of Amari Rogers. I mean, who's better to learn under than a guy like Randall Cobb? So in terms of his development, I think this could be great long term. Um, in terms of his usage, I mean, after this year, we're looking at a year with no Aaron Rodgers, no Devontae Adams. Uh, that's to say the least of it. So um, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't say for beyond that point, but Hey, he could still be a solid wide receiver. So if you're in dynasty and someone's panicking because they just signed Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers says he wants out and you can get Amari Rodgers for dirt cheap, do that. Take it. Send a yeah. third round next year. Grab him. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's, it's funny because um, Amari Rodgers, I think dad 
played with Randall Cobb huh. or something, something like that. So they I, and those two actually have a real relationship with each other. The first person who called Amari Rogers when he got drafted was Randall Cobb. <laughs> so it's just it's just interesting how all that worked out. Um, but but yeah, so when the Packers drafted Amari Rogers, they said, you know what? Let's get somebody who is close to Randall Cobb. <laughs> wow. So sweet. So sweet, Green Bay. So sweet. All right. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah. The, uh, you know, as far as Amari Rodgers, like Amari Rodgers could have had some value this year, you know, and I was looking at him late in drafts just in case, you know, he popped off as a rookie in the, you know, coming running out of the slot. Uh, but as of right now, with Randall Cobb back, that's obviously gonna gonna de- delay that for at least a year. Now, the one thing I want to say about Randall Cobb though is that the dude gets hurt, right? Like before last season, you know, part of the reason why he couldn't get any production going for the for the previous three seasons, like with Green Bay, was because of the fact that he could not stay healthy. And that that last season in Green Bay, I was just like, you know what? I'm not even going near the guy, just because you know you draft him, even if you draft him late, you know you're gonna be disappointed. Um, and it sucks. I like, I, I, is he injury prone? I don't know, but he seems, he seems not to be able to, you know, stay on the field for, 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 you know, a, a good number of games per season, right? Who not many players can, can stay on the field for the whole season, but you know, just give me like 12 games. You know what I mean? Um, I just pulled up his, uh, player profile chart and he's all kinds of Christmas colors right here. He's got, he's got large green. So it's, Playerprofiler.com, great website. Um, and you scroll all the way bottom to a player's profile, you can see each parts of their body that they've hurt. And the risk for re-injury is like, you know, if their head is at risk, it'll be like red if it's really bad, yellow or green if it's not that bad. So his head's green, his shoulders yellow, his whole chest is green, his thigh is green, his other thigh is red. It looks like that's like his entire leg is red, his toe is yellow. So it's just, he's got a lot going on here. It's uh, very yes. interesting. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you think that since Aaron Rodgers got his boy back, you yeah. think uh, it affects Robert Tanya at all? Oh, I was going to say, Jordy, is Jordy Nelson coming out of retirement? <laughs> Which I, I wouldn't know the answer to that. But um, doesn't affect – yeah, I mean, I, the amount of efficiency that Robert Tanya had last year was absolutely nuts. And honestly, if you, if you take away his week four game when Devontae Adams is gone, he had 33 points. At that point, he's just kind of an average tight end, right? He has his big games. He's still a top 10 t- tight end, but he's not this number, you know, he doesn't finish as the number four overall tight end. A 33-point game for a tight end, that alone and, like, playing for the rest of the season, that's enough to make you a top 10 tight end. Like, having yeah, I, one 30-plus game, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I mean, I mean that's like a, a that's like a, a the tight end eight. Uh, that's three weeks of like yeah. the tight end eight right there because it's 10 points, 10 points, and 10 points. Like, I'll take that for my tight end. Like, all I want for my tight end, even in a PPR league, dude, yeah. like, if I'm streaming a tight end and they give me 10 points, like, I'm, a, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah, you and know? the thing with Robert Tanyan, um, obviously not all his touchdowns were from the red zone, but he had 11 red zone opportunities, an opportunity, a target, a rush, or whatever. Typically, we're thinking targets here. He had 11 red zone opportunities and 11 touchdowns last year. So he was insanely efficient when he actually was getting the ball, even if it's not 11 for 11. You know, I'm looking at Jimmy Graham right under him, 21 red zone opportunities and eight touchdowns. We hit the Packers for the most part. Was there anything else? Oh, we, we didn't hit the running, running backs. backs. I, I always forget the running backs for some reason. <laughs> um, 
I, I remember the Aaron Jones and Devontae connection and I forgot, forgot all about the ever so important running back. So uh, Aaron Jones value obviously, you know, was, you know, dropping because of, you know, Aaron Rodgers potential departure. Right. But the, now that he's back, Aaron Jones, for me, vaulted back, you know, into a very coveted position. I think, I, you know, I have him in, in my top 10 uh, running backs. And I think, you know, he's somebody who I'm higher on this season. Actually, I'm a lot higher on Aaron Jones this season than I was last season. And a lot of that has to do with Jamal Williams, uh, you know, leaving, right? And I think the, one of the reasons for that is his long down and distance work uh, that he was he was um, a huge part of, right? And now that he is gone, I think Aaron, Ro- Aaron Jones can potentially uh, fill in a lot of the stuff that Jamal Williams was doing. And Aaron Jones was already very involved in the passing game. So now he's going to ha- be even more involved in the passing game on the field more uh, and get more targets because of it. Um, and his role in the early downs, I think, is going to be similar. You know, A.J. Dillon, I, th- I still think, is going to be involved. But I think Aaron Jones' passing volume going up is going to help Aaron Jones, you know, uh, floor in a huge way. And his ceiling, obviously, we know what that looks like as well. Um, so I'll, I'm, I'm pr- pretty bullish on Aaron Jones going into the season. By the way, the audio, crisp. Not a single, not a single fault. Looks like we're good right now. Awesome. I expect updates from you after I do my Aaron Jones spiel right here. Um, yeah, you know, I wasn't as high on Aaron Jones originally, but when I really dove into the numbers and the loss of Jamal Williams and how that's really going to affect him, I, I'm starting to like him more and more. He's an end-of-the-first-round type pick for me. Last year with Jamal Williams, when they were both on the field, um, Williams played – had he averaged 40 more snaps – and he played in 50%. Uh, in the 12th. Okay. I wrote like a stat here. It just doesn't really make that much sense. But in 2020, Williams took away a lot of opportunities from him. Uh, I yeah. wrote in, in, in the 12 games Jones and Williams played together, Williams had 40% or more snaps in 50% of those games. Okay. That makes sense. There you go. That, that does make sense. So in more than half the games they played together, Williams was playing almost half on the field. Uh, Williams also <laughs> took away close to... Yeah, dude, right? What's that? I love it. I, I, and, I, and you know what's crazy about it? I understand it. So <laughs> what you're saying is that in more than 50% of games, Jamal when Williams... When they were both on the field. When, the, when they were both playing, Jamal Williams played at least 40% of snaps in those games. Did I hit it? Yes. Okay, awesome. Nice. In, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I follow. I think I follow. But now, but now you're doubting me. But that's okay. Keep that's going. Okay. Keep so Williams also had uh, – he, he took away about 150 opportunities away from Aaron Jones. He had 35 targets, 119 carries on the ground. And that's like – as I mentioned again, Jamal Williams only played 14 games last year. So, yeah, Jamal Williams not being there. A.J. Dillon can easily step into somewhat of a similar role. But at the same time, Aaron Jones is easily the better pass catcher. I, it's, it's a downgrade nonetheless – with um you know from jamal williams to aaron to aj dillon i'm getting all over the place over here man my point being aaron jones is gonna see good volume he got a contract he's he he got re-signed by the packers this offseason a lot of people thought he was gonna walk including us so yeah man i I think he's gonna be fine this year is what i'm trying to say but i can't say (laughs) no i hear you man listen jamal williams you know there were games where he was running you know you know, 10 routes a game. There were games where he was running 20 routes a game. 
So, you know, if, a, if a, most of that work ends up going to Aaron Jones, where Aaron Jones is running more routes, he was running 15 to 25 routes per game. Um, you know, I think he averaged like 19 or 20 routes per game. But if that gets bumped up to like 25, you know, 22, 23, I think that's going to make a significant difference uh, in, in his value and what he brings every single week. So um, I, I'm excited. You know, remember, Aaron Rodgers, like once he's with a player for a couple of years, that rapport uh, becomes pretty serious and don't yeah. underestimate the rapport in the passing game with Aaron Jones, uh, you know, going into, you know, their I think, what is it? Their, their third season, third real season together um, where Aaron Jones, you know, is playing most of the game. So um, I, I'm, I'm actually excited about this team. You know, uh, they put a lot of pressure on themselves, man. Uh, you know, especially Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers, right? They posted the last dance uh, image on their Instagram stories <laughs> And, you know, what happened, you know, when they were going for that last dance, they were going for that last title, right? So they're going for a Super Bowl. Obviously, you know, the NFC Championship losses hurt a lot, um, but they're really putting a lot of pressure on themselves. They are, they are a Super Bowl team, no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, they're, it's going to be interesting, man. I think a lot of, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on the Packers going into the season. And I, I really, really think that um, that play call, where they went for the field goal instead of going for it. I, I think that was the line for Rodgers. I, I just think that's something he could not stop thinking about. They were so close to competing for that title. It's just, yeah. I, I really think that's, that's been the factor for him. How, and how can it not, right? It's just such a bizarre, bizarre call there. All right, let's move on. We've been talking about the Packers for a while. Uh, let's move on to the Bears. Uh, so at quarterback, you know, you have Andy Dalton there, the, the veteran and the Bears just drafted Justin Fields. Now, camp just started, and their head coach, Matt Nagy, is already saying that Justin Fields is going to get, quote, some, something like a quote, but I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> so I guess it's not a quote. That Justin Fields is going to get a ton of reps, and they're going to be very aggressive with playing Justin Fields and giving him reps. So, this to me right there, like just saying that, you know, this is like, look at what uh, the Bears are saying about Justin Fields, right? And look at what Shanahan is saying about about his situation, right? There's no competition uh, in, in the right now. <laughs> There's no competition, you know, you know, Garoppolo's the guy and, and Trey Lance is the number two, period. There's no competition. Here, you know, he's like, Matt Nagy knows that he's playing for his job. That's how, that's how I feel about it. So I think he's just going to be putting in Justin Fields as soon as he can. Um, I know uh, David, you know, the, the, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he's putting out a lot of articles on upperhandfantasy.com and on the Instagram. And he pointed out that, you know, uh, Andy Dalton, you know, is going up against the Rams in week one. So, and, and that's not going to be pretty for Andy Dalton if he's a starter and you can see Justin Fields potentially, you know, as soon as week two, halftime. Yeah, it's very, it's, <laughs> at halftime, it's very, very. Possible. He said Dalton would get the first snap. That's all he promised. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And he wants to keep that promise because Andy Dalton said that, "Hey, Matt Nagy, you said that I was going to get that first snap." So, I don't, I don't think he's going to break that promise, but that's all he promised. So, we'll see. Now, <clears throat> I think Justin feels that you know, just to kind of point out what he does well, I, he's extremely accurate. His downfield accuracy is, is really good. And I'm not going to skip over the running backs this time, but I'm going to go straight to wide receivers. And I, I want to talk about how that affects Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. Um, but in terms of Justin Fields, like it, it, it seems like if he's going to get opportunity right away, and that's what it seems like, 
it seems like he's a quarterback that, you know, we should be targeting, you know, in, in, in the teen rounds. Um, how, how do you feel about Justin Fields as somebody um, uh, that you draft as, you know, your potential? Obviously, you know, he cannot, most likely can't be your first quarterback taken, or at least, you know, yeah. even if he is, you know, you, you might want to draft one of those low-end quarterbacks to at least hold you down. Um, but, you know, he can potentially be somebody who you're playing most of the season as a rookie. Yeah, so I'm, I might have to switch up my strategy here because my original strategy was the Cam Newton, Trey Lance strategy. But I might have to switch this up to a Cam Newton, Justin Fields strategy based on how these coaches are talking. Because if I can play Cam Newton early and on, I might have a top five to ten quarterback in that range. And then in the second half, if I can play Justin Fields, which sounds like I'll be able to, I might have a top ten to fifteen quarterback in that range as well. So, um. <clears throat> Ultimately, I think both these quarterbacks are going to get uh, good enough ample playing time. Um, by the way, both Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, the best quarterbacks Allen Robinson has ever played for. There you go. There you played go. With, and, 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 and I think that's a, that's a good segue into his value. I think uh, choosing Allen Robinson is one of the most unsexy uh, wide receiver one picks. Really? Uh, unsexy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, if you look at all the other wide receiver ones, like no, the way we rank them. Not in my I – mean, with the way we rank them, sure. Like, Allen Robinson is just annually disrespected every single year. Oh, I was and, 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 that, and that's what I mean. Like, I have him as a wide receiver one as well, right? And I'm happy when I, if I'm grabbing Allen Robinson. Yeah. But he's just not a sexy pick. Like, if, if you get like a – if you draft a DK Metcalf or a Justin Jefferson or – you know, those are sexy picks, right? Because you, you, you think of like the big plays and, and you think of the potential and all that and – I don't think that a lot of people can actually like see uh, Allen Robinson's potential because he's not necessarily a flashy player, right? I think Allen Robinson is somebody who can finish in the top five, um, but I think most people might not believe that. But I do because he's been finishing as a wide receiver one with some of the worst quarterback play any wide receiver has ever seen in their careers. And now that he has a decent quarterback in Justin Fields, I know he's a rookie, but it can't get worse. It cannot get worse. Um, so he's going to get a hyper-targeted, um, he's a, he's an elite separator in the NFL, one of the best route runners as well. Um, so, you know, Allen Robinson, like he's right now, you can get him at, in the middle of the third round or so. Um, and, and I'm perfectly happy taking him there. I have Allen Robinson over Justin Jefferson, and that's not a knock on Justin Jefferson. That's just kind of the fact that Allen Robinson is so disrespected every single year with a good quarterback. I mean, who knows what this guy's going to do? He's on franchise tag. He's again playing on a contract year. Um, he's likely out of Chicago after this year as well. You know, maybe if he has a good rapport with Justin Fields, he might reconsider that considering the quarterbacks he's played with. And if he does leave Chicago, maybe he will end up playing with someone worse. And the Bears might reconsider, right? Because I think at the end of the day, the ball's in their court, right? The, <laughs> like if they can, if they're willing to give him a long-term deal, uh, they would have already right and, yeah. and i guess if they pop off this year it's very possible that Allen robinson you know both sides think that it's beneficial yeah and i think this is the point where after this year Allen robinson is going to need that long-term deal uh the franchise tag is not going to cut it as he's getting up there in age but um yeah man i i, I like Allen robinson there's no reason not to he is a sexy pick to me he's always been a sexy pick to me i remember a while ago when he was on the jaguars i traded up a lot 
to uh, try and get him on my team that year after the Blake Bortles. And of course he tears his ACL right in week one, which kind of stung a little bit, but I've, you know, he's so talented, dude. Like he is a playmaker. If you watch him plays the catches he makes, Oh, he's nuts. He's been on a ton of my teams over the years. I I just, I'm a huge fan of Allen Robinson, which is why this is coming out the way it is, but he's going to be value. He's getting drafted in what the third round end of the third round. Sometimes I see him fall to the fourth. You know, if you're taking guys like CD lamb over him, which is fine. I like CD lamb. If you're taking CD lamb and Terry McLaurin and some of these other guys above him, and then you're taking all these running backs, he can fall to the fourth round. I've seen it happen, but if he does, I mean, talk about highway robbery with Russell Wilson, the seventh, this is like, what's the biggest highway? Like Route sixty six. Sure, it's 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 robbery, dude. It's it's fucking yeah. robbery. No, it really is. I mean, Allen Robinson. If you can get Allen Robinson in the fourth round in a twelve team PPR, I mean, that's just that's just crazy right there. <laughs> He's a fine um, wide receiver one. Yes, he is. Uh, Anthony Miller just got traded to the Texans, so he's no longer uh, a bear. <laughs> Darnell Mooney is now the clear wide receiver too for the Bears and. Obviously, you know, we know that Darnell Mooney is a speedster. We know that he could separate deep. Um, and, and he's somebody who can potentially take a step forward in year two. And remember what I talked about with Justin Fields in terms of what his strengths were. And one of his strengths was downfield accuracy, something that Blake Bortles was at the bottom of the league at, right, over the past three seasons. So, and because of that reason, they actually ran Darnell Mooney on short to intermediate routes on most of his plays, which is not his skill set at all. Imagine not running Tyreek Hill deep because you can't throw it deep and catch him and, and hit, hit it on the money, right? That's basically like Terry last here. year. Right. And, to, and look at Darnell Mooney, right? Like, so he is a low BMI type of guy, right? Just like Devontae Smith. Um, but it doesn't matter. He knows how to separate. And he's, one, and he's shown, even in his rookie year, to be one of the best deep separators in the game. So, like, I'm looking at Darnell Mooney in the in the 11th round or so, 12th round or so, as somebody who can – obviously, he's not going to be a volume guy, right? You're not going to see him get, like, eight targets a game. Um, but he could potentially be efficient on some play actions with five to six targets a game, uh, you know, potentially with some deep catches, maybe some deep touchdowns, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm looking at him as a potential sleeper, um, you know, after the 10th round. Yeah, I'm all on board. Um, Darnell Mooney was someone who I was a little iffy on. I wasn't sure if I was going to buy into the talent. But if you think about a lot of these rookies in their first year, a lot of them struggled. I mean, look at Henry Ruggs. Um, (laughs) Other than Justin Jefferson being a clear outlier here, a lot of these rookie running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, really struggled in year one. And, um, yeah, I mean, Darnell Mooney, if you can get him past the 10th round, he could potentially be a weekly flex player. Well, I just want to add to that. I mean – a lot of rookies struggled year one, but I, I don't think Darnell Mooney did, you know, with the opportunity. Yeah, dude. With, it wasn't, with, it wasn't really a struggle. Yeah. I mean, with his catchable targets, right. He actually did his thing. Like he had a ton of deep cat uncatchable targets um, when he was clearly separated. I mean, obviously the, the clear case was the time that he burned uh, Jalen Ramsey on that nice inside outside move where Jalen Ramsey couldn't catch up to him. Um, and then the ball, he's wide open. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's behind him, ten behind, you know, ten yards behind him, and the ball gets overthrown like fifteen yards <laughs> into the corner, and it's just like, okay, that is a good uh, summation of what's happening to Darnell Mooney in his rookie year. 
And something else that's not going to change going into this year is the fact that the Bears had the eighth most best pass attempts last year, right? So, and then they also have 132 vacated targets now with Anthony Miller gone, and Anthony Miller had over 70 last year. And Darnell, Mill- Darnell Mooney had 98 targets as a rookie. So going into year two, there's a chance he sees anywhere between 110 and 120 targets. Uh, they don't really have anyone to fill that role and take those targets away from him. So I- I'm all in for Donnell Mooney. I, I-, I think yeah. after the 10th round, that's insane value. He averaged 9.5 points per game last year. I mean, there's this guy could easily put up 10 plus and get over 100 targets. Why wouldn't yeah. you want that? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, he was on my watch list for, like, the entire season. Like, (laughs) you know, people were, like, dropping him, picking him up, dropping him, picking him up. And it was just, it was just, like, it was tough to play him, um, especially in the PPR league. Um, But but I think going into next year, I think the volume can, you know, have a slight uptick um, to the point where, like, he's he's pretty usable. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, At at running back, we got David Montgomery. Uh, Tariq Cohen was actually placed on the pup the physically unable to perform list at the start of training camp. Uh, you know, he's recovering from his ACL tear. Uh, and then you have Damian Williams, who was just recently added uh, after the Chiefs, Chiefs cut him. So, you know, we have Matt Nagy talking about David Montgomery and, you know, his, you know, his hopes that David Montgomery can hit 20 carries a game. And it's very possible. And he's doubled down on it very recently as well. But notice he doesn't talk about David Montgomery in the past game at all. Right. Notice how he doesn't talk about David Montgomery in losses. He says, well, you know, we want to win games. And this is what he said. He said, we want to be up in games in the fourth quarter. So David can have those extra four to five carries to close out games. So that tells you a lot. Basically what he said was like, Hey, David's going to be game script dependent guys. That's basically what he's saying. Now, here's the thing. Last season, the, the reason why David Montgomery was so valuable was because Tariq Cohen got hurt and David Montgomery ended up getting like 90% of snaps. He had like six, seven, eight targets at times, uh, which really boosted his PPR value in a big way. And then he had that amazing schedule towards the end of the year and he did his thing. Now, good running backs are supposed to do their thing, right? Uh, against bad teams. That's how it works. Like I don't place any fault on a, on a running back playing well against bad teams. Uh, but I, it's still, it, we should still point it out. Now, Tariq Cohen, who knows how healthy he's going to be this year, right? I am not convinced. I used, I was convinced before that Tariq Cohen was going to come in and reclaim that third down role, that passing down role, that long down and distance role. But now, the fact that he's on the pup, I know they want to ease him back in, but I'm not convinced that they just go ahead and just give him that role back. Now, they do have Damian Williams, right, who's a third down back as well. He's a passing down guy as well. Now, do they trust Damian Williams to come in and start and play that role, kind of a thunder and lightning type of thing? Or do they just allow David Montgomery to be the main pass catcher on this offense and be the main long down and distance guy, be the main – he might not be long down and distance, but I can see him staying on the field on like a third and five, right? Um, so I think David Montgomery might not be off the field uh, for every third down, for every long down and distance, for every passing situation. But I think that you know either Tariq Cohen or Damian Williams – can obviously take a little bit of opportunity away, but not as much as I thought it was going to happen. I would say maybe a month ago, maybe, maybe a month and a half ago. Um, I'm warming up to Dave Montgomery slowly, right? I was kind of completely out on him on his ADP. I think he's going in the what third round right now. Yeah. End of the third. 
end of the third. Okay, so it's not terrible value, like if you need an RB2. Um, but I, I, I do think that he's going to be relatively touch, you know, touchdown dependent. Um, one thing that also matters too, like how often is Justin Fields going to tuck it and run? Um, Justin Fields is not necessarily a rushing quarterback, uh, but he has, you know, the ability to run the ball. So we'll see what Matt Nagy wants to do with him. We'll see if Fields can work his way through reads, right? Because if he can't work his way through reads, you know, as a rookie, as a rookie quarterback, um, you know, he might tuck it a little bit more and run the ball, that sort of thing. And David Montgomery was getting a ton of checkdowns last year without Tariq Cohen. Um, so I'm warming up to it. You know, I'm not completely there yet. Um, but if I need an RB2, right, I, you know, I, I don't, for some reason, like I'd rather go maybe, you know, rather wait a little bit, maybe get Mike Davis, right? Someone like that. That's kind of the, kind of where I'm at with David Montgomery. I'm really curious to, to know how you feel about him. Well, you're talking about his target share when Tariq Cohen went down. Um, his points, you know, in that first, what is it, between weeks four and nine, when when Tariq Cohen, right after Tariq Cohen went down, he averaged 12 points a game, which wasn't great. But, I mean, let me read you from weeks 12 to 17. After the bye, he had 25 points, 27 points, 24 points, 29 points, 20 points, and 28 points. This guy did not miss a beat. He was a true running back one. And I think that's the ceiling, right? So if you're drafting this dude in, and I understand he had good matchups, but it has a lot to do with his usage. I mean, he ended the year with over 50 receptions. So that's huge. Um, it's not like Allen Robinson was hurt. It's not like they had this huge change of heart. It's just more so he was the best playmaker in that moment on the field when they needed him. So I, I have a lot of faith in David Montgomery as a running back too. I think he's relatively safe. Um, we've always kind of wanted this upside from him. And hey, maybe they saw something last year. And Matt Nagy knows his job is at risk. And based on what David Montgomery did last year, I think it'd be kind of stupid not to give this guy the workload that he's talking about. He's talking about carries. He's not necessarily talking about targets. But um, Tariq Cohen on the pup list, as you mentioned, I really wouldn't be surprised to see him stay on that pup list and miss the first six weeks. Uh, I think from some of the reports that we've seen, that might be the route that he takes. Um, other than that, you have Damian Williams, who is in a new situation. He was out all of last year with, uh, you know, he, he chose to opt out because of COVID. The only other people that have behind him is Khalil Herbert, who I don't think is going to come in and take any of that passing down work from him, although he is capable. So I think this is really a situation where Montgomery could average over 80% of snaps every single game. And even when Conley comes back, maybe he's integrated, you know, lightly. And with Anthony Miller gone, I've said this for so long, I think Derek Cohen can find, if he does come in and have a role, he'll have a separate role. If Cohen comes in, he can come in and be that slot receiver, so to speak, that they're now missing with Anthony Miller gone. So if Cohen does come back and take on a role, I don't think it'll be as the pass catching back. I think Dave Montgomery has proved he can be in there on third downs uh, and Cohen can come in and just kind of play that slot role. And they can have two running backs on the field at the same time. They can call Tariq Cohen a wide receiver, but Monty proved that he's a good running back last year. He's been, he's looked great for years. It's just about whether he's going to put it together and actually show out. And that's what he did. So as a running back too, I feel completely fine taking him at the end of the third round. Um, the only thing that really scares me is Matt Nagy taking back the play calling, which is really what deterred his value over the first couple of years. Um, but I think at this point, he kind of gets it to where like, hey, if you want to have any kind of success on the ground, 
you should probably give this guy the ball. So it's, hopefully he's gotten through to him. It's also the rushing scheme too, right? Like when when Bill Lazor started calling, like there's a, not only did that schedule, not only was that scheduled the catalyst for David Montgomery to have that really huge string of games, it was also Bill Lazor coincided yeah. with that exact game where he started going off, where they changed up the run scheme, they changed up the play calling, and Bill Lazor was the one calling those plays. So I think that is understated, but I think I think you, you hit it on the nail as well with Matt Nagy saying that he's going to call plays again this year. So I'm a little bit worried about that because, you know, he's low-key for me, uh, you know, the second coming of Adam Gase. But, if it was, uh, let me ask you, if it, if it was still Bill Lazor and if Terry Cohen was going to miss half the season, would Dave Montgomery be an early round three pick, top 15 running back? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I say that in, in emphatically. You know and what that's I mean? my point to where, like, that's probably the situation for Tariq Cohen now. It's possible. And then and then on top of that, like, all all's Matt Nagy has to do is say, okay, David, do it. Okay, Monty, yeah. do it. Take the ball. That's yeah. all he has to do. And then it's, hell yes, that's a huge value. So I think he's well worth taking in the third round. When, you know, Tariq Cohen went out with that injury, I was trading for Montgomery everywhere. Everywhere. I got him on, like, every team. You know, and yeah. and because I didn't have to pay that much because he didn't have a great start to the year, and I just knew that he was going to get all the work. Um, so now going into next season, listen, if Tariq Cohen ends up missing like six games, like I'm I'm drafting Montgomery in the early third. You know, uh, mm-hmm. because who knows what happens when Cohen comes back? And Mon- if Montgomery is absolutely killing it, are they really going to take him off the field that much? You know, when Cohen comes <laughs> back, I'm not I'm not sure if he, I'm not sure if they do. Um, the other thing that I'm you know really you know, like he caught 50 balls last year, right? I don't think that would have happened if Tariq Cohen didn't miss, didn't miss that time. Um, but I think coming into this year after the injury, it's a different Tariq Cohen. It's a different offense. Um, so I'm, I'm open to it. You know, and one point I want to make too is like, if you, if you think that that's going to happen, I would draft David Montgomery now, right? In your drafts now, while his price is, you know, where it's at. Because it's kind of like his price is kind of at its floor, right? Yeah, third, um, fourth round-ish. Yeah, then that's kind of his floor, right? Like, you know, how low can that ADP really go? Even after that monster year that he had, like towards the end of the year, he's still not, people aren't really buying it with David Montgomery yet, right? Uh, but, you know, it, it it's very possible that they say like, okay, like Tariq Cohen is now on the pup. He's going to be, he, you know, to start the year, six weeks, David Montgomery's price is going to go up. And then you might not be happy with the price that you're paying. So if yep. you have a feeling that's going to happen, you might as well buy him now. So that's a good point that you make. Um, so as, as far as like opportunity share last year, David Montgomery was one, two, three, four, five, sixth in the league last year, 74%. Um, and that wouldn't have happened if Terry Cohen didn't, didn't uh, miss that. But he's talented, like you said. Like if you look at the avoided tackles per rush last season uh, among running backs, Nick Chubb was number one. Mike Davis was number two. David Montgomery was number three. And then you have Antonio Gibson, Kareem Hunt, you know, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. But yeah, um, so he's up there innovative tackles. It's just that his offensive line was terrible. The scheme wasn't great. Um, so, you know, hopefully they learned something from last year, that, that that end of the year run. And hopefully they can do they can put, kind of put it together going into the season. Okay, um, let's move on to the tight ends. Uh, Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham. Um, obviously, you know, Jimmy Graham's still on the team. Right. So that means that, you know, is Cole Komet going to get that full opportunity? It's very possible that he does get some opportunity, but um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be buying Cole Komet. I think there are other late round tight ends that I like. Komet, you know, he's intriguing. 
Um, but they also just traded for Jesse James. I'm not sure how much they involved in the, him in the passing game, though. Um, Jimmy Graham's still there. But Jimmy, like I said, Jimmy Graham's still there. So, like, what, I, what are you really buying here, right? And we've seen a rotation, you know, with these Bears, uh, with these Bears tight ends. So, uh, what are you thinking as far as this, like, a tight end rotation? So, I'm looking at my charts here. And one thing I noticed, I want to backpedal a little bit in Robert Tanyan. Robert Tanyan had 59 targets and 52 receptions. So, I mean, we're talking about an insane level of efficiency. And the reason that came up is because Jimmy Graham last year, 75 targets, 50 receptions. So I think if Jimmy Graham kind of takes a backseat, you add what he had to what Komet was able to do in a limited amount of time. I mean, Jimmy Graham had 21 red zone opportunities, and they didn't really fill in anyone to take that role. In 2020, in 2021, I view Komet as a late round flyer. I don't necessarily view him as this must grab high upside tight end to grab at the end of your drafts. That's not how I view him now. But in Dynasty, there's never going to be a better time to buy Cole Komet than right now. Because after this year, potentially no Allen Robinson, Justin Fields going to year two. I'd imagine Jimmy Graham is either retired or cut at this point. And then you have a guy who's primed for this breakout role on a team with no wide receiver one or a rookie wide receiver one who's going to take some time to learn the offense. So I think after this year, Cole Komet can really, really explode. 2021, I'm going to stay away for the most part. Um, something I will say, they, they do envision Cole Komet as kind of like a slot guy, used like Mike Zeki, how Mike Zeki was used last year. So if they do use Cole Komet in the slot with Anthony Miller gone, he does have a better chance of value. But as of right now, Jimmy Graham is still there. He's going to take away some touchdown opportunities. As you saw, he had 21 red zone opportunities last year. Uh, Komet only had seven. So it's going to be a little bit of a thorn in the side. He's going to be inconsistent. He might have some games here and there, but he's not going to get enough targets to really be a factor this year. But 2022, Cole Komet, top 10. Watch out. It would be interesting to see if they do use him in the slot more often than we think, just because of the fact that they did trade away uh, Anthony Miller, right? Mm -hmm. So 11 personnel can include him. Um, All right, let's move on to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, you know, uh, he's somebody who, you know, is going to put up games. Like, actually, like last season, he put up a string of games, man. Like, I think it was like a top five quarterback uh, fantasy-wise for like a decent stretch of the season. Um, so, you know, he does have fantasy value, not somebody that everyone's looking to draft. Um, but now that he has Justin Jefferson, you know, coming into his second year, Adam Thielen, uh, they just signed D.D. Westbrook. Not that that should sell you. Um, but, you know, they have a great, great running back in Dalvin Cook. Maybe Irv Smith, you know, kind of steps up a little bit. But uh, Kirk Cousins has some weapons and he could potentially be a fantasy fill in at times. Uh, I think he's a good quarterback, too, in two, two quarterback leagues, super flex leagues. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's somebody that you will likely be streaming this year if, if you need a streamer at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, in, in a one QB redraft league, he's not really someone on my radar as like a high upside guy. But uh, in a two QB, like you said, I think I'd love to have him as my second quarterback. He has that ability to have big games, especially with Justin Jefferson going to year two, having Adam Thielen there. So, yeah, I mean, the big games are always possible with him. Um, if you look at Aaron Rodgers had 4,299 passing yards, Kirk Cousins was right next to him. He had 4,265. So he was right behind Aaron Rodgers when it came to passing yards. He's got two great receivers with him. Irv Smith potentially taking a bigger role, which we'll talk about soon. And by the way, his offensive line improvements, right? I mean, 
They drafted Christian Derisaw. Um, I believe they signed someone else this offseason as well. So they have Christian Derisaw. They drafted Wyatt Davis in the second round. They got Ezra Cleveland last year. They got Garrett Bradbury, who they drafted not too long ago. I mean, their offensive line is full of first and second round offensive linemen. And again, Christian Derisaw left tackle, Wyatt Davis in the second round at left guard. This offensive line is really, really strong. And they weren't that they were in the late 20s last year as far as the PFF grades. I think they were 28th in the league. So um, Kirk Cousins with more time to throw. I'm not saying he's going to blow up because I think in a rush heavy offense, he is kind of limited. But I still do like him as a late round value in two QB leagues. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was playing around with my mic a little bit. I, I think I got it. Okay. Um, so, you know, we touched on Justin Jefferson. You know, let's just hit on that. So you said you have uh, Justin Jefferson ranked below Allen Robinson. Is he ranked as a wide receiver one in your rankings right now? Yeah. Yeah, he is. So, like, like around, like, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11, something like that? Yeah, I think somewhere like that, 9, 10. Low, it's a little easier end. now that Michael Thomas is kind of out of the picture. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah, I have him around there, high-end wide receiver too, you know, something like that. It, it's, you know, I think Adam Thielen, you know, he's obviously, you know, still a pretty good wide receiver, um, but Justin Jefferson has definitely moved in uh, as that wide receiver one, and he did that pretty quickly last year as a rookie uh, with Adam Thielen healthy, right? So um, Adam Thielen has been pretty touchdown dependent over the last two seasons with Stefan Diggs, Without Stefan Diggs, um, Adam Thielen has been that touchdown guy. But listen, Kirk Cousins is looking for Thielen in the in the red in the end zone, right? So if you're in a, in a, in a non PPR league, if you're still playing those uh, type of leagues, um, you know Thielen might be a little bit more valuable uh, than he is in a PPR league. But he is likely going to be touchdown dependent, especially because Justin Jefferson is going to be commanding the lion's share of targets. I can easily see Justin Jefferson see like 27, 28% of target share, uh, you know, going into next season with Adam Thielen, maybe around 20%. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay drafting Justin Jefferson where he's going right now. I think it's like the early third round, uh, middle third round or so. I'm happy with him as my wide receiver one, if that's what ends up playing out, if I grab two running backs early. Um, but I do want to say this, like about Justin Jefferson, um, you know, just because a rookie has an amazing rookie year and a record-breaking rookie year, right? Um, I'm not saying to bet against that, but what I'm saying is that it doesn't mean that he, his second year is going to be better, right? It doesn't always happen. We've seen a lot of rookie breakouts. I mean, obviously not rookies who break the rookie record for receiving, uh, but we've seen a lot of amazing rookie years. And then in that second year, it you know, we're not we're not necessarily happy with the price that we paid, right? And Justin Jefferson, we're paying a wide receiver one price right now. Okay, so you just got to kind of keep that in mind uh, when you're drafting a second year wide receiver. Um, you know, we didn't necessarily have to do that with a lot of other wide receivers, but the fact that Jefferson came on the scene so strongly, you know, we, we're assuming that he's going to do that uh, going into next season. Now, all the wide receivers that are being drafted as wide receiver ones, are we assuming that they're going to stay wide receiver ones? Or are we assuming that a couple being drafted as wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes end up being wide receiver ones, right? That's going to happen, right? So, like, it might be possible that Justin Jefferson doesn't end up as a wide receiver one. Um, we might be drafting him, you know, relatively close to, you know, where 
you know, be, you know, we're kind of buying off of the hype off of last year, right? So just want to keep that in mind. He's an amazing receiver, but just wanted to point that out. Um, how, like, are you happy with Justin Jefferson as your wide receiver one uh, going into next season in terms of like, you know, obviously you drafted a couple of running backs early uh, in the first and second round and then going into next and then Justin Jefferson as your wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. And I like this year, especially taking those wide receivers at the beginning of the third and the second, because there's some great value in that area. You can get a Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen. Those are all guys you can get in that late third, uh, late second, early third type range. So I'm fine with any of those guys. This is my wide receiver one, Justin Jefferson. Uh, as I mentioned, there might be some other guys I'm taking in front of him. And like you said, I think that was a great point. He doesn't have to do better than he did last year. He had 1,400 yards. He had seven touchdowns, 125 targets. Targets might go up, but the efficiency may not stay the same, not that the league is on notice, so to speak. And uh, we've seen that happen a lot too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do like Justin Jefferson. I'm fine drafting him. I don't necessarily think Adam Thielen, and I guess we'll talk about that now. He, he's been very touchdown dependent. Um, I, I don't think Adam Thielen's a case where he's in the six, Jefferson's in the third. I'd rather have Thielen. That's not the case. I'd still rather have Jefferson at his price and Adam Thielen at his yeah. price. Uh, I think there's a realistic chance that not Thielen falls off a cliff, but I think if he doesn't get over that 10 touchdown limit, a lot of people are going to notice, hey, he, he may not return value at this price. So, uh, I, I mean, last year he was able to finish as a wide receiver one in 15 games, 14 touchdowns, absolutely nuts. But he had just over 100 targets. So we'll see. That might go down a little bit. It's all wait and see. But I'm, I'm fine with taking Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I'm being a little cautious just because of the high touchdown upside and he's getting up there in age. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's turning 31 in August um, you know, in, in a couple of weeks. So, you know, he's going to hit that hill at some point. And especially if somebody is not being hyper-targeted, I might just end up staying away. And, and try to go elsewhere with some more upside 14 touchdowns last year. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> going into this season. Um, his last high was nine, two years ago, and then six and five, four. So yeah, I'm not buying it. Um, but uh, Irv Smith, like when, when, you know, when, when they got rid of Kyle Rudolph and he went to the giants, you know, everyone, you know, obviously assumed that Irv, like, listen, Irv Smith, when he came out of college, he was one of the, one of the better prospects right to come out so people have been waiting especially in dynasty leagues for this for this exact moment right when Kyle Rudolph finally leaves and Irv Smith can get all the opportunity right well their head coach Mike Zimmer was asked about uh, Irv Smith's uh, growing role right and uh, they asked like hey like now that Kyle Rudolph is gone this must open up a lot of opportunity for Irv Smith and he literally said that, no, it actually doesn't. Like, Irv Smith, his role is going to stay the same. And it actually grows for their second tight end, Tyler Conklin. Tyler Conklin is going to get a lot of a more opportunity than he was getting before. So are we going to see a situation where, you know, obviously there was a 1A, 1B situation between Rudolph and Irv Smith. We didn't know which one was which. But now is Tyler Conklin going to get snaps and routes run that we just would rather go to Irv Smith? Is that what's going to happen here, even though we – Obviously, if Irv Smith got all the opportunity, he would be uh, someone with amazing upside. But I'm just it, these words from his head coach seem a little bit worrying to me. So yeah, I mean, 
on the surface of it, <laughs> obviously that's not good from the head coach. And that's the only thing holding Herb Smith back from being a top five to 10 tight end. Right. So for most people, he's outside their top 10. He's one of those late round values without Kyle Rudolph. He had 12.8 points per game. I think that's fine. You know, that that's a good spot. That puts him at like what a top four, top five tight end last year, 12.8 yeah. points per game. But the targets weren't there. Right. That was my only issue there too. Like the targets he, weren't there, but he yeah. is a playmaker. You know, he, he's yeah. a playmaking tight end. He's like a OJ Howard or like a David Njoku. If he ever, you know, fixes his, injuries but like when he's on the field he's not a guy who needs to feed off those targets like Kyle Rudolph would have in the past so a little more of a role and regardless he's going to play more than Tyler Conklin he's going to be targeted more than Tyler Conklin as much as whatever imposter Kubiak this is um, he's, <laughs> he's 100% going to get more targets than Tyler Conklin so it's just going to be about when the opportunity is going to come he had 12 red zone opportunities last year not bad. Uh, that's in 13 games. So just about one a game um, he was being looked at in the red zone. So if that can improve with Kyle Rudolph, who had six last year. Yeah, man, I, I think there might be some value here. Five touchdowns last year. Yeah. So I'm looking at their routes ran. Uh, Kyle Rudolph ran 247 routes last year. Irv Smith ran 281. Uh, when you look at the top tight ends, they run between 400 and 600 routes. Yeah. Um, Irv Smith did run more than 30 routes uh, in five games last year, um, it, but it didn't necessarily correlate to, to production. Um, and even in the games where Kyle Rudolph was out, like it, some games, he actually didn't run more than 30 routes for whatever reason. So I, I didn't really understand what happened there and, and why they were playing other tight ends over Irv Smith in certain situations. Um, but that, that's my really, that's my only concern. Like, I, I, I was just hoping that even with when Kyle Rudolph was out last year, that Irv Smith, Irv Smith's usage would just really go up, you mm-hmm. know, in a big way. But it, it just didn't seem like that was going to be the case. So um, he definitely has upside as a player, right? So I think this is a situation where, you know, you, you might want to bet on the talent, you know, because I think the talent is going to end up play, playing out here uh, really in any type of situation because, you know, Kyle Rudolph had his, uh, had his skill set, even though he, he might have been over the hump a little bit. Um, he did have things that he did very well, and I can understand why they were still playing Kyle Rudolph. But at, in th- at this point, I feel like they got to be playing Irv Smith. So I, I can see, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, trying to draft him. Where, where is he going right now? I haven't seen his his latest ADP. Irv? Yeah. Let's see. Irv Smith. Irv. Outside he's going eleventh. Yeah, he's going in the in twelve team PPR leagues. He's going at the nine ten turn as the really? tight end. As the tight end, thirteen. That's about where I have him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's about right. But you know, I'm not sure. You know, if the upside is is you know, is is up all there. over there. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it though. I can see it. I'm just I I don't really know what to make of that situation and whether he's his role is actually going to be at the point where he's running more than thirty routes a week. Because if he is. That, that equates to 480 routes in the 16-game season. And I'm just using that as a reference, right, to compare it to the, you know, the previous top tight ends, right? Um, so that falls in the window of the top tight ends, potentially, you know, uh, of the opportunity the top tight ends usually get in terms of route run. So it can happen. But I'm just hoping that he can run those type of routes throughout the season. Um, okay. Let's move on, man. Uh, let's move on to the Lions. Jared Goff, you know, uh, the new quarterback for the, for the Lions replacing. You forgot the uh, running backs again. Did I? Oh, my God. 
Oh my god, this is hilarious. This is this is becoming a thing, man. What is it like? What's going on? Like, why why do I? Oh, you know what I do? I go quarterbacks, and then I automatically go to go the wide receivers, and then tight ends are right there, and then it's just like, okay, next. Never mind. I don't need to talk about Dalvin Cook, right? Because Dalvin Cook um, has one of the highest weighted opportunities in the league. And when I when I'm talking about weighted opportunity, I'm talking about um, the fact that targets are worth you know. 2.8, 2.9 times um, what a, a normal carry would be outside the red zone, right? Um, so when you kind of add that all up and say like, okay, how many targets is a running back going to get? You multiply that by, you know, 2.8, whatever it is. Um, and then you add that to the amount of carries they got. That total is what the weighted opportunity looks like. Um, and then if you want to get even more granular, you count you count the inside the five carries, you count inside the red zone carries, and those carries are obviously weighted more than a normal carry between the 20s, right? Um, so that's kind of how you calculate that. And Dalvin Cook's weighted opportunity is near the top of the league. You know, it was basically him, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Alvin Kamara was up there because of his uh, pass, because of his receiving ability. Um, and, the, you know, guys like Derrick Henry were not because they're just not involved in the passing game. Uh, but he's an anomaly, right? He's an exception to the rule. Um, but the fact that the reason why he's being taken number two behind Christian McCaffrey is for that reason, because he's heavily involved in the running game. He is the focal point of the offense. He is, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson is there too. So they got two superstars, um, but he's heavily involved in the passing game. He has the goal line role locked down. Um, and like you said, his offensive line is improving. Um, so, you know, his situation is looking amazing going, in, going into this year. He's going to this year healthy as opposed to other years when he's been nursing some sort of injury. Um, I think the only question about here, and I mentioned the improvements, the offensive line too, which will boost them up from about 23rd or they were, I think they're like 28th. I think I said that before 28th in PFF rank last year. So that should boost them up to the top 15 or so. But uh, who's going to be the handcuff here? Because obviously Alexander Madison seems like, the option, but then they draft Kini Nwengwu, Nwengwu, no, dude, I don't want to mess up this name, but they drafted a running back in the third round. I, I think that was right. Nwengwu? No, I, I don't think that was right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have the depth chart here. It's, I, I'm, I see the name. It's just the W's are throwing me off. Kini Nwengwu, Nwengwu, unless I spelled it wrong. Ooh. Oh, yeah, it was in the fourth round. It was the fourth? I thought it was the third. No, fourth. Oh. Well, then maybe not too much of an issue. If he's a day two guy, then that's more of an issue. But just noting uh, Kenny Nwengu coming in to take over Mike Boone's role as that in case Alexander Madison also gets hurt uh, type role because obviously Mir Abdullah is not built to take on. Uh, so, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Alexander Madison should still be the handcuff. Just keep an eye out for Kenny if needed, if this depth chart goes a wire, which it has in the past. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like overly <laughs> bullish on him just because like he was the backup in college as well. Like he, yeah. you know, he only, he only had like 300 rushing yards. Um, but I think the reason why they drafted him is more for special teams to, because they need a returner. Um, and he has, he is, he was one of the better college returners, kickoff and punt returns. So um, I think that's the reason why they drafted him. So I think the clear handcuff here is Alexander Madison now that yeah. they got rid of Mike, they got finally got rid of Mike Boone, um, you know, who's always going to be fighting for those scraps, right? Who's always going to be, you know, in, you know, in the conversation, 
you know, when it comes to, you know, this opportunity behind the starter. Um, and now they don't have to deal with that. So I think now it's going to be pretty safe to play Alexander Madison if Dalvin Kirk were to miss time. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we did talk about running backs for the Vikings. Now we did, so now yeah. moving, moving on to the Lions, Jared Goff replacing uh, Matthew Stafford. Um, obviously, that is a little bit of a downgrade there. Jared Goff is now uh, without uh, the mastermind behind his decent play, Sean McVay. So that's not good. But it doesn't matter because he only has two, two or three guys to throw to, right? Um, he, he has Tyrell Williams as his wide receiver one, Rashad Perriman, Amon Ross St. Brown, rookie wide receiver, and Geronimo Allison, right? And um, Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're missing one guy there. Who am I missing? Quintez Cephas, the only oh, wide receiver on the Lions who was actually on the Lions last year. Why am I? Why did I miss that? I mean, he's pretty important, honestly, because apparently he he's he was making a little bit of waves in minicamp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he had a good rookie year last year um, in terms of metrics. So he's somebody that we should be looking at. His yards per route run was up there, but he didn't have the minimum target uh, volume to kind of qualify for a lot of those, you know, those charts that we see. Uh, but he's something to pay someone to pay attention to. I am personally not looking at any of these wide receivers. And that's just me. Um, I am not looking at Quintez Cephas. I, am, I, I Listen, if he gains a little bit of traction in camp and they have a sort of connection, sure, I'll, I'll try to get him in like the 15th round or something, maybe. But honestly, this, this offense is going to be all about TJ Hawkinson. This offense is going to be all about DeAndre Swift. Yep. Um, Jamal Williams is going to be a big part of that backfield as well. And I think that's really where um, these targets are going to go. And we talked about it before in the podcast, you know, the lions have the largest um, departure of targets, the largest vacated targets going in, you know, going into this year um, from last year. And a lot of times what ends up happening is that the running backs uh, benefit the most out of any position, at least the, the most of the evidence uh, has been shown to, for the running backs to get the most of the, uh, of the work, it, you know, most of the benefits. Um, there's no, no, nothing that could really show that the wide receivers get it or the tight ends get it, but the running backs, you can be damn sure that they're going to be targeted in the pass game. Um, TJ Hawkinson, you know, he's likely going to be the, like he might get the most targets on this team this year. Right, I can totally see T.J. Hawkinson getting. Mike, you know, oh, he will, dude. He will. Yeah, he. I can totally see him getting like 135 uh, targets or so. That's kind of where I have him projected. Um, and if he catches like 90 balls, right, he's a top five tight end, top four tight end potentially. So um, not that many tight ends are going to be catching 90 balls this year. And T.J. Hawkinson has the skill set, right, the athletic profile, the high draft capital, and the fact that he's the only decent wide receiver on this team. He, he, he basically checks all the boxes and you can get him in the fifth round. So, you know, he kind of checks that box as well, where you don't have to spend, you know, a crazy amount to get him. He's going to be the number one off, uh, option for Jared Goff. Um, and the good thing is that he's not going to be going up against like shut down corners, right? Like he's going to be going up against safeties and linebackers. So that, it, you know, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um, I know you're a big fan of TJ Hawkinson, so I will not, I will not dare to move on uh, before you, you can uh, talk about him. Yeah, so just to circle back on some of these positions here, Jared Goff, I don't think anyone is really interested in from a fantasy football 
standpoint. I will say that the Lions, as a team, a little underrated offensively, only because that offensive line got a whole lot better with Pinay Sewell. Penny Sewell. God, these names tonight. I'm tired, yeah. man. Let me tell no, you. Well, I think that one you did right. <laughs> Penny, Penny Sewell. So adding him at left tackle is absolutely huge. That really boosts his offensive line. And then, I mean, the receivers, obviously there's going to be some kickback there. But last year with the Chargers, Anthony Lynn's offense had the most plays in the entire league. So if they're going to do something similar here, we might have to look at some of these guys as fantasy relevant, right? I don't think they're going to reach the top of the league in terms of plays just because efficiency wise. But if you look at uh, it, even if they're middle of the pack, this is a team that everybody's avoiding from top to bottom. TJ Hawkinson, I think he's going to get Darren Waller type targets. I think he's in for 140, 150 targets. I really don't see where else they're going to go with the ball. Um, DeAndre Swift, We'll get into a little bit later, but I think he's very, very interesting at his current price. A lot of people thought he was going to be a top 10 uh, type running back. And then the wide receivers. So I, I, a lot of people seem to be interested in Mon Rossi Brown late in their drafts. He's just not someone I'm interested in. He's going to need time to develop. Obviously, his brother didn't really develop all that well on the uh, Packers. But, and I understand they're two separate players, but he's also a day three guy. Mon Ross was taken in the fourth round. They didn't really put a whole lot of emphasis on getting a wide receiver. It's a crowded room. Any of these guys at any week might have a big game. I, I think like every once in a while, we'll see Perriman catch a long touchdown. Maybe Amon Ra has that one good week. Cephas even from time to time. Who, By the way, last year in the offseason, not last year, earlier this offseason, uh, I, I did these weekly like deep dives. I think I remember we talked about these on the podcast sometime. I mentioned Quintez Cephas as one of the names to get because what I said was, hey, like, both Marvin Jones and Kenny, and Kenny Galladay are free agents. I don't know if they're going to be in position in the draft to take a wide receiver that early. I don't know with, with all their other needs, uh, are they going to be in position to do that? And now they're at a point where Cephas might get starting playing time on the outside. So it's, you know, another interesting thing, but again, none of these guys are interesting in drafts. Don't draft any Lions wide receivers. Tyra Williams coming off a pattern. It's just, it's not worth it. None of these guys are worth it. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. And let's talk about this backfield real quick. Okay, who who are the most targeted running backs in the NFL? It's uh what Alvin Kamara and DeAndre and, and uh, Christian and, McCaffrey when he's there. Okay, so Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Austin Eckler, right? Sure. So Dan Campbell coming from the Saints, right? Obviously with Alvin Kamara there, you have um, Anthony Lynn coming from the Chargers with Austin Eckler there. And now you have DeAndre Swift, right? Who excelled in the past game as a rookie, right? He led all rookie running backs in yards per route run, right? Uh, with a minimum of 20 targets. And he was fifth among all running backs like in the league, only behind Kamara, James White, Naheem Hines, and Austin Eckler on a minimum of 50 targets. So, and he ranked second among all rookie running backs in total receptions. And he only played on 38% of snaps, right? Like he only trailed James Robinson by three catches. <laughs> right James Robinson was on the field for 74 percent of Jaguars offensive snaps so he's going to be demanding a large target share in this offense regardless of whether Jamal Williams is going to have a, you know play a decent role as well you know if he plays 65 percent of snaps um 70 percent of snaps he can still he can still get 
six, seven, eight targets a game. I, I fully believe it. Um, Jamal Williams can even have some value as well. And he's somebody I'm targeting late too, because I think that he could be a, a flex option, a low end RB two at times in, in PPR leagues, depending on, you know, uh, depending on your team. Right. Um, so, and especially because of the lack of options that these guys have, look at Anthony Lynn's offense last year. How many running backs could you have played, played any given week, right? There were weeks where like you were playing random chargers running backs because you're like, well, they're going to get like four to five receptions. They're going to sure. get like 12 to 15 carries. And that was on top of Austin Eckler's work, workload that he, we knew that he was going to get. So it's very possible that we see that sort of scenario play out here. Um, potentially a poor man, a poor man's Melvin Gordon. Right. And then like, a, you know, a, a sort of Alvin Kamara light, you know, uh, or Alvin Kamara type or Austin Eckler type workload for, uh, for Swift going into the season. So I think at Swift's price, the fact that his price has been dropping, you know, I'm kind of back in on Swift. Like I was, I was high on him early, you know, when, before Jamal Williams got there. Yeah. And then when Jamal Williams got there, I was like, uh, I'm not sure. You know, and then his price went up and then his price went down, but his price has been dropping a little bit lately. Um, and you can get him in the third round. And in PPR leagues, I'm all about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that too. I'm fine taking Jonathan Swift in beginning of the third round. I think he's worth that price in PPR. Um, <laughs> anything he does with 50 or 60% of the snaps, I'll 100% take. His efficiency might go down. But as I mentioned, they got a new left tackle. That, all, that offensive line is middle of the pack at worst. So yeah, I, I'm fine taking DeAndre Swift, and I believe in um, you know him as a player. Jamal Williams, he's someone. Look, I understand you can get him late, but you know he's on your bench for a reason, right? Like I, I just don't think there's going to be a week where I'm like, all right, I feel comfortable playing him in my flex, just because it's going to be so volatile. And unless I'm really scratching, you know, if I'm a really in a bad spot for depth and I have to throw him in my flex. Even then, he may not come through that week. I feel like I'd rather play one of the wide receivers on my bench and you know, hope for a better outcome. I understand the success he had with different running backs, like um, especially Kalen Balaj last year with the Lion with the Chargers. At times, he was like a running back too for a couple weeks at a time. So I understand the intrigue, and I know Jamal Williams is talented, but um, I don't know. It, it's tough. It, it's kind of like the way you described Allen Robinson. It's like not a sexy pick at all. To Jake Jamal Williams and see him in my death chart. I and usually now like the roles. The roles have turned, my friend, because Jamal Williams is a sexy ass pick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking hilarious. I mean, Jamal, I'd love to oh hang out God. with Jamal Williams, dude. Seriously, seriously, he's great. He's one of my favorite NFL players. Period, just because of his personality. How could he not be, dude? He's hilarious. But yeah, that's my thoughts on Jamal. Yeah, Williams. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, like he's being taken in the twelfth round right now. Like. I'm 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 fine with that because he's playable. Like, what kind of running backs are potentially playable that you're getting in the 12th round in PPR leagues? Like, I, I, I not that many. So I'm happy with that. And on top of that, he is a DeAndre Swift handcuff. And if DeAndre Swift were to ever get hurt, Jamal Williams is a three-down guy. You know, and I'm happy yeah. with that. He was able to obviously do big things when Aaron Jones went down, and they trusted him with 90% of snaps um, when Aaron Jones went down. And now. 
you know, that can easily happen if DeAndre Swift were to go down in Detroit. Obviously, the, the offense sucks, but at the same time, Jamal Williams can still rack up those receptions and the opportunity. That's really what matters at the end of the day. Um, so I'm totally fine taking Jamal Williams. And the fact that Anthony Lynn was relatively high on Jamal Williams when he signed him and has a specific role in mind for him, I think that's going to play out pretty well for, for Jamal Williams, especially considering the running backs that he's going around. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with him, you know, around that spot, 12 round or so. Okay. Um, but I did not skip, skip the running backs this time. So uh, <laughs> there you, know, you go. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're good. Last so, team, you didn't skip the running backs. I, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to make it through without audio issues for the last, like, you know, 45 minutes or so, half an hour or so. So we appreciate you guys. If you made it through and you made it over that hump, we really appreciate that. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Joe, did I miss anything before I, I say my goodbyes? no other than the next week is our last week of breaking everything down by division so next week we have the nfc south we get to talk about michael thomas and the saints what to do with the rest of that team uh, the panthers sam darnold you got the falcons no more julio jones and then uh the you know the buccaneers having all those assets there so we'll see yeah yeah no it's it's a, it was a good preview for next week and, and make sure you tune in and if you haven't checked out the other divisions that we've done please go check out those episodes as well not too much has changed right over the past six weeks so you know a lot of how we felt you know three weeks ago four weeks ago about players you know for the most part it stays the same so uh go check those out and uh we'll be back next week thank you guys so much for listening i'm faraz at Upperhand fantasy that's Joe at fantasy.football.analyst. Uh, go check us out. Check us out there if you're not already. If you can leave a review for the podcast, uh, you know, rate it uh, on whatever podcast app you use. Maybe share it with a friend. That would be amazing for us. So we really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Later. <laughs>